coming up on Locked on Dodgers. For all the talk about how the Dodgers ought to be launched into the sun for their shenanigans with the CBT, turns out they weren't the only team willing to do that. We're going to talk about that. We're also going to talk about Yoshinobu Yamamoto getting the Dodger Stadium tour and uh, that information leaking out a little bit. And uh, Vince will get into the details of just how good Yoshinobu Yamamoto's stuff is based on an article by Eno Saris and maybe some surprise trade talk. I guess we'll see. Let's get Locked on Dodgers. You are Locked On Dodgers, your daily Los Angeles Dodgers podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hey, Dodger fans, this is Locked On Dodgers, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thanks for making Locked On Dodgers your first listen every weekday morning. Remember, this show is free and available wherever you get your podcasts and on YouTube simply by searching for Locked On Dodgers. Or even better, go ahead and subscribe wherever you're watching and listening right now. Then you can be an everydayer just like we are. If this is your first time with us, I am Jeff Snyder. My co-host is Vince Semperio. We're doing a split episode today, so it'll be me for the first half. Vince will be along for the last uh, half or so. Vince and I are both lifelong Dodger fans just like you are. We've also both spent time covering the Dodgers in the press box and the locker room. So we're not quite insiders, but we bring you the smart fans perspective on our boys in blue every weekday morning. And uh, it's kind of an interesting time right now. Uh, as I'm recording this, it is 9.42 p.m. Uh, in Los Angeles on Tuesday evening. And there are rumors flying around on social media about a potential Dodgers raise trade. There was a report that the Dodgers and Rays are close to a trade that would involve Tyler Glasnow and Manuel Margot coming to the Dodgers and Ryan Pepio and Johnny DeLuca going to the Rays. Uh, nobody said that's the entire trade or that it's happening yet, but that's that's the rumor. And then Randy Rosarena, maybe messing with us, maybe not. He posted a couple pictures on Instagram of him and Shohei Otani together from back at the at the World Baseball Classic. And so, you know, it gets people thinking. Uh, as of right now, as I'm recording this, there's no news on that, no actual news on this trade, if it's going to happen, who would be involved. Uh, I'll say Pepio going to the Rays would make a lot more sense if a Rosarena was involved too. Uh, there would need to be more than just a Rosarena or more than just Pepio and DeLuca if it was all three of those guys. Uh, I'll just quickly say, like, Glasnow, a Rosarena, and Margot. Sign Yoshinobu Yamamoto and you're done with the the offseason, basically. that You've addressed all needs. I think Margot would be a perfect uh, right-handed half of that right field platoon. Rosarena slots in and left. Glasnow, Yamamoto, boom, bang, bing. Love it. Uh, so if something happens by the time Vince is at Disneyland right now, that's where we're going split. If something happens by the time Vince gets home for Disneyland and records his half, then he will talk all about that. If not, he'll talk about Yoshinobu Yamamoto and how good his stuff is. Uh, but, you know. Plans can change as we are doing a split episode, but I want to talk about Shohei Otani. Uh, Otani obviously signed with the Dodgers, and on Tuesday, the Giants signed Jung-Hoo Lee uh, from Korea, and as I don't know if it was part of that signing or if it was just a random interview, but uh, Giants general manager Farhan Zaidi uh, talked with the media, I guess, and uh, and he said that he confirmed that they had met with Otani when he was a free agent, that they made three different offers to him, and that their final offer was uh, essentially the same, if not identical, to what the Dodgers ended up giving Otani. The reason this is uh, significant is because 
ever since Saturday and especially since Monday when the details of of Otani's deferrals came out, uh, the world has been ending. If you listen to certain people about this just ruining baseball and, you know, how can the Dodgers get away with this? No other team can do this. And uh, I think it's interesting that the Giants were willing to do exactly the same thing. I would guess that any team that was a finalist was offering roughly the same exact deal as what the Dodgers ended up giving Otani. And the difference is that uh, Otani chose the Dodgers. And uh, it wasn't the money. Like, if the Giants made the same exact deal or offer, then it wasn't the money. Obviously, the money is a lot of money. But everybody was willing to give him a lot of money. And and we've said this all along. Otani, we, we don't know exactly what he values, but we could guess pretty strongly that one of the things he values is winning. And the bottom line is, there's no team in baseball that can make an argument uh, of being able to put together a consistently successful team that's going to get you into October every single year. And I know if you're a Dodger hater and you're watching this, first of all, thanks for the views. Your views, your views count too. Um, but you know, say, so, well, but then they choke in October, and uh, you know, that that's fine. Uh, the world needs simple minds too. Uh, but. Uh, getting into October every single year is very, very significant. And the fact is the Dodgers have won the world series more recently than 26 other teams in baseball. And if you're one of those haters saying, but the 2020 doesn't count, I don't think the world needs those kind of simple minds. So you can, you know, but keep watching your, your views count too. Uh, YouTube can't tell what kind of person you are when, when you're watching. So thank you. Um, But the Dodgers have had, the ultimate postseason success. They've also lost the World Series twice. Once the other team cheated to win, um, and, and they are in October every single year, and no other team can say that. Uh, there's other teams that are really good. The Braves have been. They've put together a pretty sustained run of success. Not quite as sustained as the Dodgers, uh, and you know the Braves. Their fatal flaw in the Otani sweepstakes was they don't believe in paying players a lot of money, and and you know it's worked out for them. Uh, they if but Otani didn't grow up in Georgia as a Braves fan. And so, you know, he wasn't willing to take the 35 years, $72 uh, deal that the Braves would have wanted to give him. But other than the Braves, like, I don't know if there's any other team that, well, there's no other team that has the combination of willingness to spend money and consistently puts out a winner. The Dodgers are the only team in that category. And so that's why the Dodgers always, always made the most sense and ultimately, that's what we're finding out, that for Otani, the money was going to be roughly the same wherever he went. What he wanted was to win. And that's why he's with the Dodgers. And that makes me happy. Uh, obviously, uh, you know, all, all the things we're learning that Otani actually put a clause into his contract that the Dodgers have to spend uh, the savings for his deferrals on building a better team around him. I love that. You know, he wants to win. He put his money where his mouth is, like we said the other day. And uh, I think it's I think it's pretty great. And uh, I I hope that we find out, you know, that the Blue Jays were offering the same deferrals and everything, uh, the same contract that every team. You know, I don't know if there were other finalists. Uh, it's hard to picture the Angels offering that. Maybe though, uh, I don't. I've never really believed the Angels actually had a chance of re-signing him. Uh, I think they were just left in as a courtesy by all the media as well. And don't count out the Angels. We're count out the Angels, um, but. In the end, Otani chose the winner, and uh, the Dodgers are the winners, 
in the Otani sweepstakes. And it wasn't because they offered the most. It was because they had the most attractive package. Uh, I'm going to come back in a minute. I'm going to talk about Yoshinobu Yamamoto making his visit to Dodger Stadium, getting the tour there, and presumably the sales pitch. So thank you for making Locked On Dodgers your first listen every weekday morning. And please keep it Locked On Dodgers. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel. Score early this NFL season with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets with any winning $5 Moneyline bet. That's $150 bucks if, your line, if your team wins. Moneyline bet means you're not betting over under, you're not betting spreads, you're just betting who will win this game. And in the NFL, there's always at least one game every weekend where you're like, okay, well, this one, we obviously know who's going to win this game. Put five bucks on one of those that you're confident in, and if they win, you get 150 bucks in bonus bets. It's pretty awesome, easy to do, and a great way to kick off your FanDuel experience. So if you've been thinking about joining FanDuel, there's no better time to get in on the action. The app is so easy to use. There's a wide range of betting options, including spreads, player props, over-unders, and more. So visit FanDuel.com slash LockedOn and kick off the NFL season. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Hey, I'm back. I want to thank you for making Locked On Dodgers your first listen every weekday morning. Uh, especially want to thank our everydayers, those of you who are with us every weekday morning. It means a lot to us. If you're not an everydayer, we'd love if you become one. Just watch or listen every weekday morning, and then voila, you are an everydayer. Also want to remind you, Locked On has two streaming 24-7 YouTube channels that might be of interest to you. There's Locked On Sports Today and Locked On Sports Los Angeles. Uh, both of them dig into all the sports stories you might be interested, whether it's uh, all sports all across the country, Locked On Sports Today, or specific to Los Angeles, Locked On Sports Los Angeles. You will catch this podcast on both of those channels sometimes, Locked On Sports Los Angeles all the time. Every day you'll get us and Locked On Lakers and all the other LA-specific uh, sports uh, shows that Locked On has. So check out both of those on YouTube, Locked On Sports Today and Locked On Sports Los Angeles. And with that said, let's continue with our podcast Yoshinobu Yamamoto is, now that Otani has signed, he is uh, the number one target. Maybe not the first target. As as I mentioned, there are trade rumors flying around right now. Um, that's funny there. I, I'm just looking there. Now people, uh, Shohei Otani's interpreter, Ipe, uh, just followed Randy Rosarena and Tyler Glasnow on Instagram. So that's the latest as of 9.53 pacific time uh that's where we're at right now uh it, it's kind of like tracking that private plane it's a uh, it's bubble boy all over again so uh so you know uh Yamamoto, yamamoto may not be the next acquisition the dodgers make but he is i think the top priority and uh he has been visiting teams we know he's in los angeles he's doing his visits uh there and he made his visit to dodger stadium on tuesday got this big sales pitch from them I had an inkling that this was going to happen. Uh, I had been told by a source that Dodger stadium was being shut down on Tuesday morning. Uh, and it was, that was actually scheduled last week uh, before the Otani news. So I knew it wasn't for an Otani press conference, although it could have been, you know, just a preemptive, let's shut it down in case. But then we found out the Otani press conference is going to be on Thursday and so it seemed likely that this was for Yamamoto, and that turned out to be the case. Uh, it was leaked, or you know, a lot leaked. Uh, Yamamoto isn't as secretive about his free agency as Otani was. Obviously, he doesn't want a circus following him, but 
as far as we know, he didn't have the same secrecy clauses that Otani may or may not have insisted on. Uh, but uh, there were what my source tells me is that they canceled or shut down all Dodger Stadium tours until 1 p.m. But Yamamoto's visit uh, leaked into that time. And so, you know, there was the video that you may have seen on social media of uh, a fan from Texas in Dodger Stadium and showing the, the Dodger Stadium big video boards uh, having Yoshimo, y- Yoshinobu Yamamoto in a Dodgers uniform on the on the boards there. And uh, so it seemed like the tour was going on right then. And my source confirms that, yeah, there was some overlap between that one o'clock tour and Yamamoto's visit. And uh, what my source said was, in his words, that the security did a very good job of zigging when, what did he say? Security did a nice job on the clubhouse level, making sure the tour zigged when Yamamoto zagged. So they were there at the same time. Uh, and security did a good job making sure that the tour didn't run into the free agency pitch. But uh, Yamamoto got got the pitch, the sales pitch. We don't know what was involved. All we know is that it happened. Um, you know, so Otani probably wasn't there in person for the pitch, but uh, may have been involved in the sales pitch. Uh, we, we don't really know. Um, but like I talked about in the last segment, the Dodgers sales pitch is pretty easy. You want to win. You want to play for a great organization in front of more fans than any other team plays in front of just, and in a great uh, city, if you interested in endorsements, uh, you know, you want to play with Shohei Otani, all that stuff. It, it's a great sales pitch. And now Yamamoto, we have heard that he grew up a Dodger fan uh, that, you know, I've heard that the Dodgers are extremely popular in Japan, that the Dodgers are basically Japan's team, most Japanese or more Japanese MLB fans like the Dodgers than any other team, partly because of their history, starting with Hideo Nomo. Obviously, there have been other teams that have had very popular uh, Japanese players, Ichiro, Ichiro with the Mariners, Ichiro and uh, uh, Sasaki, I think his name was. And then obviously the Yankees had uh, uh, Hideki Matsui. Yeah, there have been a lot of very popular Japanese players, uh, but uh, the Dodgers were the first, you know, Hideo Nomo, there hadn't been a Japanese born player in over 30 years when Nomo came over. And so the Dodgers do have that advantage. And uh, Yamamoto is a Dodger fan. It seems like a, like it's hard for me to picture Yamamoto signing anywhere other than the Dodgers at this point. And again, I don't know him. I don't know what he values, but I can guess. And I can guess that, you know, the Dodgers aren't going to cheap out after saving all that money on Otani uh, you know, Dodgers are going to spend what it takes. And unless you know, some team would have to blow the Dodgers out of the water, I feel like for, for Yamamoto to sign anywhere else. So I think it's coming in the next day or two. He, he does. I think it was the Red Sox and the Mets maybe that he hasn't met with. No, not the Mets, Red Sox and somebody that he still needs to meet with. Uh, but I expect Yamamoto to be a Dodger pretty darn soon. Uh, that uh, let's see, I'm just checking Twitter, nothing yet as of 9.58 p.m. Pacific uh, on, on the the Dodgers and Rays trade, potential trade. I will just go into a little more detail on, on that rumor, I guess, before I turn it over to Vince. Uh, I love the idea of Margot as the right-handed half of that platoon. Uh, he is a good defensive right fielder. 
He wasn't great in center field last year, but when he plays right field, he's a good defensive right fielder. And he's a good hitter against left-handed pitching. He's not a, a great hitter, but he's a good hitter against left-handed pitching. He's got speed. He's, you know, there. if Margot is only facing left-handed pitching, like between him and Jason Hayward, they are a very good right fielder. Uh, I, I think he would, he lines up perfectly. I'm not saying he's the only person who could be it. I liked the idea of Tyler O'Neill for that role before he got traded to the Red Sox. Uh, you know, there are different guys. I was thinking, I, somebody suggested Adam Duvall. Uh, Adam Duvall doesn't have any splits, though. He's the same hitter against righties and lefties. So he doesn't make sense for a platoon. He makes sense for a team that needs a guy who's okay in the outfield. Um, and so he wouldn't make sense for that platoon. But Margot, as the right-handed half of that platoon, makes a lot of sense to me. And Randy Rosarena, as the left fielder, makes almost too much sense. And then you throw in Glasnow. Uh, you know, it would be hard to give up Ryan Pepe on a trade. And and the original report saying uh, Glasnow and Margot for Pepio and DeLuca and and not sure who else included. Like, I don't think Pepio makes a ton of sense to me uh, in in the Glasnow trade. But if Rosarena is coming too, then it makes more sense uh, for Pepio to kind of headline a bigger trade like that. And, uh, you know, I think Pepio is going to be really good. I would be sad to see Pepio leave. Uh, I, I've i been higher on Pepio for longer than a lot of you. Um, and, and I do think he's going to be really good. I do think the Dodgers know him better than I do. Uh, and, and so whether it's that they're willing to trade him or more likely that they recognize that he has a lot of value and, and can bring back what they need in a trade to, you know, the, the Dodgers right now, yeah, giving out five years of Pepio will be hard, but the Dodgers have four more years of Freddie Freeman and he's not getting any younger. The next two or three years, I think the Dodgers would really, really like to maximize their chances of winning two or three world series titles in that time. And, uh, and that makes sense to, to trade Pepio in a trade like that. If a Rosarena is coming to, because a Rosarena has three more years left until free agency. So, you know what? We'll see what happens. Uh, as of right now, we're now at 10.01. And uh, somebody else, let's see who this person is. This person has 6,000 followers. He's from San Diego. Borna Nazari is the name. He says, can confirm. Sources tell me the deal is for Tyler Glasnow and Randy Rosarena. The blockbuster trade between the Dodgers and Rays will send Glasnow and Rosarena to the Los Angeles. The return is still being finalized names of targets this one says river ryan and michael bush uh bush makes a ton of sense you know i i don't have any i've never heard of this person who said this so this could be uh totally be total bs he has more followers than i would expect to be throwing out total bs but you know you never know um river ryan is a very very enticing prospect uh, Michael Bush is a very good prospect. I definitely expect Bush to be traded this offseason uh, because the Dodgers don't have room for him. And he just had a great season in his value will never be higher than it is right now. Uh, and so, you know, it makes sense for him to be traded river, right? You know, a Bush and Ryan. I don't hate that at first blush. In fact, I would, I think I'd rather have them trade river Ryan than, Ryan Pepio, just because Pepio is major league ready right now. Pepio is part of the big league rotation right now. River Ryan isn't. Uh, and so even though you're getting glass now, you're 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 still subtracting a starter. So River Ryan makes more sense to me. That would be interesting. Um, 
I'm just scrolling a little bit more to see if anything else. Nope, that's all that we have as of right now, as of 10.02 p.m. So I'm going to hit stop on this. I'm going to turn it over to Vince. Uh, and then, you know, uh, if Vince comes along and if something works out, he will talk about that. If not, he will talk to you about Eno Saris's article about how good uh, Yoshinobu Yamamoto's stuff is. So that's it for me. And Vince will be along in a minute. Yo, 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 Dodger fans, Vince here to close out the episode and here to talk about Yoshinobu Yamamoto. Uh, as far as the trade front, we didn't re- we didn't get any more information or any anything else from any of the major reporters. So as of now, it's a lot of, uh, you know, small time reporters slash people somewhat involved in baseball reporting on that trade. So. Obviously, the conveniently timed Rosarena Instagram post has sparked, uh, you know, a lot more into that. So we'll, we'll see what happens there. Eno Saris uh, from The Athletic wrote an article talking about scouting Yoshinobu Yamamoto and what his stuff compared or, you know, finding some MLB comparisons for some of his stuff. The good part about Yamamoto is that well, one, in general, MLB has way more tracking and converting and projecting how pitchers from Japan will fare in the majors. There's a lot of different stats, a lot of different uh, things to track in order to kind of decide that success. And the other part for Yamamoto is that he recently pitched in a major league park, uh, you know, pitching in Miami during the World Baseball Classic. And that all has other, you know, tracking data there in terms of the Hawkeye, which is the camera-based tracking system, and then, you know, velocity. And that also feeds into, you know, different analytics that kind of determine, okay, how your stuff is. You know, there's there's stuff plus data. There's a lot of different things that we got out of that small sample from him being, uh, you know, playing in Miami. So all in all... You know, Saris kind of broke down Yamamoto by pitch and, and kind of determined who a, a comparable MLB player for that pitch would be and, you know, maybe where he's going to sit. So we'll, we'll start with the fastball. He's touched 99 before. Uh, he usually sits probably 95. Uh, he sat 95 in the World Baseball Classic, uh, but those were you know, not as long the shorter stints, he the, the big the most pitches he threw in any of those stints was 52. Um, but you know the fastball has movement; it it, it plays well. Um, it he had it ranked as a 92nd percentile fastball among starting pitchers right now, based on velocity, release point, spin rate, spin axis, and movement. Which is you know a lot of obviously the velocity plays at mid 90s. Release point, he's a little bit shorter. He has a little bit lower of a release. Um, he has some of that movement that, that you know, the spin rate, spin axis, uh, you know, the ball doesn't just go straight. And then the movement, obviously, is part of that. So, obviously, there's going to be, you know, it, it's hard to determine, you know, can he sit 95 when he has to throw 100 pitches and when he's pitching – you know, every five days rather than once a week, like in Japan. 
And, you know, that combined with if usually when you, you know, as a pitcher in the, in the major, in the majors or, you know, in the minor system and stuff like that, uh, if you're coming out of high school, you're coming out of college, you're put on a different type of program in terms of strength training. And, you know, it remains to be seen if that's, you know, are, are the Dodgers going to force him into their system? Are they going to try to meet him with, with the way he's kind of, you know, done his throwing programs and things of that nature, because, you know, if he gets put on a on a U.S. slash MLB strength program, then, you know, maybe he could stick at 95, 96, even in longer outings, you know, going 100 pitches, pitching every five days, you know, or, or so, whatever it is. That's that's possible. But if they kind of let him do his thing, then, yeah, I would imagine he's going to sit mid-90s for the most part, uh, ramp it up, dial it up when he needs to. In, you know, in terms of getting it up to 99 if he needs it. But it, it's overall, Saris had it, you know, 92nd percentile fastball, which, you know, Mia, as someone that looks out on baseball savant, that's definitely a red, a red in that in that form. Um, the, the comparison, I was going to say comp, the comparison he gets is Kevin Gausman. Kevin Gausman is a little bit taller than him, but, uh, they release on similar movement, similar velocity, and similar release height. So Gavin probably releases a little lower. Thing goes up a little bit more. His prediction is that Yamamoto will have a top 20 forcing fastball in MLB, which is obviously ace-like stuff and somebody that's definitely worth, you know, throwing some money at if it was just fastball. Obviously, it's not just fastball, but the biggest – excitement from Yamamoto comes from the splitter. You know, we, we know that Kodai Senga came over with his ghost fork pitch and, you know, kind of took over and that pitch was one of the best pitches in, in all of baseball last year. You know, Senga has a splitter that is disgusting. It's nasty. It's, it has 20 inches of drop, you know, compared to his fastball. It comes in around, you know, low nineties, and basically, it looks like the fastball until it drops at the end. So, you know, it, it's going to generate a lot of swing and miss. And, you know, he has very, very high praise for the splitter. And, you know, he has it as the best, one of the best split fingers among all MLB starting pitchers. He, you know, across all the pitches he made in the World Baseball Classic, in terms of stuff plus, he crossed 140, which is very good for stuff plus, very, very good, you know, elite. And, or actually, he had it at 155. The 140 stuff plus is the threshold. Yamamoto had it at 155, which is elite. No other starter that threw 100 innings last year had it above the 140. So, um, in, in the terms of analytics, it looks really good. He also compared this to Gaussman a little bit in terms of the splitter and said that, you know, it has same horizontal movement, the velocity drop, everything is the same, but nobody had as much drop as Yamamoto splitter last year. 35 inches on average, up to 90 miles an hour. So imagine you get a fastball, you know, at 95, that kind of sits in the zone, has a little bit of movement, and then the next pitch you get, you know, is looks exactly the same is five miles an hour slower, but then drops 35 inches. 
That sounds pretty elite. And that's where Yamamoto's going to make his money with that split finger. So fun stuff there. Uh, the next pitch is the curve. The curve, he has 65-inch drop. So it's more of a 12-6 type. Drops it down to 77 miles per hour. And this is according to StatCast. No pitcher threw a curveball that had at least 65 inches of drop and went as fast as Yamamoto's curveball last season. So, you know, obviously it's a unique curveball uh, by Stuff Plus. He had it below league average and would be in the 91st percentile, which is still very, very good. Still that, you know, that nice darker red uh, on, on Baseball Savant in terms of being on par or better than most of the league. He has comparisons to Seth Lugo's curveball, Merrill Kelly's curveball. Um, coming from the left side, a comparison might be a curveball by Max Freed, which, you know, Max Freed is a very, very, very good pitcher in the major leagues. Uh, it'd be nice to have a, a curveball compared to his. So his prediction is that Yamamoto will have an elite grade curveball. So now you're sitting at a top 20 fastball. You're looking at the best splitter in the game and an elite grade curveball. Now, obviously, you know, that all seems to play very well for, for somebody. And obviously, you know, regardless of all this stuff and analytics and everything else, it still comes down to executing and, you know, how other players are going to see his stuff and everything else. And, you know, this is not a guarantee that he's going to be an ace, but based on the stuff that and, and all the data they have right now, you know, this is kind of what he grades out to. His last pitch is a cutter, um, which he doesn't use very often. He doesn't have much cut and movement to it as some of his other pitches it was compared to Josiah Grace Cutter. Josiah Grace, you know, a good starting pitcher in the major leagues, but it's you know, it's not like he's known for his cutter. Um, so he he did predict that Yamamoto will have a below average cutter. Which, if that's your fourth pitch, you can get by with three pitches, obviously, as a starting pitcher. And if your fourth pitch is just good enough to kind of mix in here and there, uh, you're in a good spot. He talks about command, and you know. Should have elite command. He he puts all his pitches where he wants it. He doesn't walk too many hitters. Uh, he's in a good spot in terms of command. And then he talks about the height, which is something that's been talked about for him. Yamamoto's 5'10". Of all the pitchers given more than $175 million in guaranteed contract, Zach Greinke is the shortest, and he was 6'2". So there hasn't been somebody his height that's gotten big money, although, you know, Pedro Martinez, I believe, is five eleven. He would have probably got that kind of money back in the if if he was playing in modern day baseball. Sonny Gray's five ten. You know he's made some good money in his later years here, the last few years. So you know there, there's there's guys that have had you know Roy Oswald. There's guys that have had good stuff that you know the the hundred seventy five million threshold that he has here is is just for big money that's happened recently. But there is some you know. Short pitchers have have made it. Um, there it was a stat in there that sub starters under six feet make up about three percent of the population in baseball, but made up over six percent of injured list of, of injury list uh, in time, and that's obviously concerning. He's never had anything other than an oblique injury in 2019 that's cost him anything. So uh, 
I don't imagine it's going to be too much of a detriment. Obviously, I think the adjustment to pitching in the majors and pitching, you know, every five days, maybe every six days, depending on how the Dodgers play with him, instead of you know once a week specifically, that that'll have more of a det- or you know more of an issue, not an issue, but that'll have more of an impact on him than than his height, I would imagine. So all in all, you know, based on what we have and based on the stuff and based on the numbers, he grades out to be, you know, a very good to elite starting pitcher, you know, worth the money that he might be getting. So that's exciting. And that's going to do it for today's episode. Thank you all for listening. Thank you for making Lockdown Dodgers your first listen of the day every day. Make sure to find us wherever you find podcasts and on YouTube. Make sure to subscribe and become an everydayer by listening or watching every day. Make sure to tell your friends and family. Remember, Lockdown has two 24-7 streaming channels, Lockdown Sports Today and Lockdown Sports Los Angeles, where you can get top news and stories from around the league and from around around the league, around sports and around Los Angeles, depending on what you're looking for. So go check that out. You can find us on social media, Twitter and Instagram at Lockdown Dodgers. Jeff is on Twitter at Snydog. I'm at Vincent's91. You can DM either of us with questions, comments, topics, thoughts. You can also send those via email, LockdownDodgers at gmail.com. Or via voicemail text at 323-863-5625. We're here every weekday morning and we hope you'll be here with us. When you get in your car or if you're at home, text my advice for a podcast, Locked on Dodgers. Hey, remember, you don't have to agree. You just have to listen. Have a good one.